To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Now, I don't know about the rest of you as school-aged children, but our kids go back to school in about three weeks, and I'm already starting to think about back to school. So in next week's episode, in addition to answering one of our questions from our listening parents, I will talk a little bit about back to school, getting ready, getting organized to get our kids back to school and off to a great start. I also want to give a heads up that during the first two weeks of August, we will be taking our family vacation. So I won't have any new episodes those two weeks, but it's a good opportunity for anyone who has missed some episodes or dealing with a particular issue to go back and listen to some prior episodes to get caught up. So for our vacation this year, we decided to take a classic California vacation. I have never been to Yosemite National Park. Now currently, part of it is on fire, so hopefully they will get this all contained in the next three and a half weeks, and most importantly, that everyone stays safe. But I'm really excited to check out this national treasure and explore it with our family. We've rented a yurt, which is kind of like a tent slash cabin. It has a wooden frame like a cabin. So it's a permanent structure, but like a tent, it has a covering made of some sort of thick material, maybe nylon. Not there, so I can't touch it right now, but it's round. Also one big room like a tent and has a big skylight up in the middle. And then windows that you can, I think they roll down. I don't think they zip with the covering from the outside. And then the frame actually runs in front of the windows Um, But it also has a deck with a barbecue and a kitchen and a bathroom with all the beds inside. So 
It's on a camping resort in the park, and it's right on the river where we can swim or fish. There's basketball, tennis, horseshoes, all kinds of fun things for the kids and us to do in addition to going into Yosemite and checking out the sites there. Then we'll head up to Lake Tahoe, another place I've never been, and then we're going to go over to the coast, to the Bay Area, and see some sites over there, particularly in the South Bay, like the Monterey Aquarium. And Chandler, our twin son, is so into ocean animals. He has actually declared at seven years old that he is going to be a marine biologist when he grows up. If you ask him what his favorite animal is, he will tell you it's the peacock mantis shrimp. And if you have not heard of the peacock mantis shrimp and you're at all curious, I strongly recommend you look it up. It is a really fascinating creature. And I share this piece because I just find it so interesting what will grab different children's attention because this certainly isn't an interest of myself or my husband that has been passed down to him he figured this out all on his own so i will post some pics to instagram so if you're curious to follow us on our vacation you can find me at iron mom 2020 on instagram I've also been meaning to get up some more parenting tip videos on there, and the reason I haven't yet is I wanted my oldest son in the next video, and he needs a haircut really badly, and I haven't had time to take him. I'm sure you all can relate to that. The things that get pushed to the bottom of the list and haircuts is many times one of them, but I will get another video up soon, I promise. Okay, enough about all that. I want to get to the questions for today. The first one is a question about building resilience in kids, particularly for kids for whom it does not come naturally. The second question is about toddler bedtimes and nighttimes, a really common issue and common struggle that we parents have during the toddlerhood years. So let's get to the questions. Shireen asks, one of the topics that rang true with me is a parent question you answered in your second episode about how to help a child with a resilience issue, and I was wondering if you could elaborate. This is the case of our eight-year-old, and it's reaching a critical level and was further brought to light by our recent family trip. She kept melting down, refusing to go along, giving up on the simplest tasks, and being frustrated with every little thing. She also gave up all activities we had her try, from piano to taekwondo to any of the team sports, always complaining that it's too hard and not willing to put the effort into practice. I kept feeling like I have to stretch myself over four corners to please her and cater to her every whim. It is important to note that she is the oldest of three, and the problem is further compounded by the fact that the younger two are showing a drastic contrast by being very well-behaved, respectful, and know how to manage their emotions, as can be expected from a child their age. The younger two are five and two. From listening to your podcast and your classes, I know there are multiple fronts and aspects to this problem reaction, and expectation. And given my own upbringing and personality, when I see my daughter fall apart in tears over the tiniest scrape, I have to work really hard on myself to show empathy and understanding without feelings of resentment. Now, I love Shireen's description here, and this may be a euphemism that I've just never heard before, but about stretching herself over four corners. I think we can all relate to that. We've probably all been there at least one, if not many times with our kids. And I just have this visual of trying to like stretch your body in all these ways and contort in ways that just aren't even possible to try to smooth things out, to get them to go easier, especially during times when it's supposed to be a happy family time and you're on vacation, you just want it to go smooth. So you're doing whatever you can to kind of smooth out this process. 
The other thing I love is that Shireen is very in touch with herself, her own background and her own personality and how it's affecting how she reacts to this issue. Those are all really important things to be aware of and take into consideration so that you can use that going forward. So I love that. And we're going to touch on all of that a little bit. So to get to the question, this is a case where temperament is playing a big piece in these interactions. Now, some kids come into this world as resilient as can be. They will try new things all day long. They will fail at things time and again and get right back up over and over and try it until they get it. And then the other end of the spectrum is children who will try once and if they don't pick it up quickly and easily, they're done. Now, I've talked about temperament on this podcast several times before, but there's a point that I want to reiterate and I'm also sure that I've talked about before. But that is that while we cannot change our child's natural temperament from one extreme on the spectrum to the other of any given trait, we can work with them to increase a trait that we feel is important for them to become more middle of the road, a little more flexible, a little more accepting of other ways of thinking so that they can move through the world a little bit easier and not be so stuck on one side. And of course... There are things that we can do that end up reinforcing one of these traits and kind of get them stuck down at one end that we would rather see them expand. So we want to be careful about those things as well of not reinforcing the habits that they already come naturally with. So I'm going to cover a little bit about the traits that can leave children more prone to struggling with resiliency issues. And then I'll cover things that parents can do to work and increase this and give the child the skills to become more resilient. Now, the temperament traits that commonly affect how naturally resilient a child can be are persistence and general mood. In particular, children who are low in persistence and children who tend more towards what we call the realistic, sometimes we call it the negative outlook or mood. I'll start with persistence. Persistence is the likelihood of sticking with a task through completion. So you can see why children high in this trait are much more likely to be naturally resilient than their peers who are much lower in persistence. Now, some people call this trait stubborn. I like to reframe it and call it perseverant or persistent. Now, I am one of these people. I am extremely persistent. So I love this trait. I think it's a great trait. It can get in the way sometimes if you're too bullheaded and too stubborn, but used in the right way, this is a great trait to have. And you can see where being low in persistence can affect their ability to reach their potential in certain areas. Where it gets bad is when we get so stubborn that we can't see outside of our own viewpoint or our own way of doing something. So with kids who are super persistent, we want to work on that, of them not being so blinded and tunnel vision about their own way. We want to help them open that up. For kids who are really low in persistence, we're going to work to help them stick with a task, to keep trying and not to give up. So a highly persistent child may have trouble taking no for an answer or stopping a task. They will stick with something until it is done. They are often considered stubborn, and they usually do very well in school. A less persistent child may have trouble finishing tasks, but they multitask well. And they may give up on toys or tasks that are too complicated or uninteresting to them. So here's some things that you can do in two different areas if you have a child who's low in persistence. So with friends and family, you want to work on chores and activities together to help them through to completion or taking steps at a time. 
doing more steps each week or each time they do it. We want to be and encourage other family members to be patient with the child as they work to move forward each step of the activities and gaining new skills. We want to offer to help complete a project such as building a fort, a train track, or a block city, anything they're working on. However, we don't want to take over and do it for them because obviously that isn't going to help them learn the skills to gain the self-esteem that they're going to get from completing it. But we want to support them in that process and come in and ask how we can help, what we can do, and let them take the lead because that will help build their self-confidence. Can you put the blanket up over that corner because I can't get it to stay? That kind of thing. Let them take the lead and we're going to help them move forward as they work on new projects and new skills. Now in guidance and discipline, you want to use charts so that the child can see the progress as she completes the work. Now this is different than a reward chart. A reward chart is not recommended as you've probably heard in the podcast before. We're not giving stars and excitement. It's just so that they can see the progress to see that they're better this week than last week or this month than last month. Now you can go back and Listen to the podcast on self-esteem. There's also one on rewards and punishments. I also discuss it in great detail in the self-esteem class on the website. So you can go check that out at yourvillageonline.com for more on that. Also in guidance and discipline, you want to break chores, rules, and instructions into smaller steps and give them one or two at a time and then increase it over time as she is ready. Encourage and help her to try again when learning something new. And I know you talked about getting frustrated, so this is where you're just going to be really patient with her. You're going to take some deep breaths. You're going to understand that this just is something that she struggles with. And so you want to support her in a positive way. Encourage her to try again and try to talk with her about where she's struggling or where the new concept or the new skill is falling apart for her, whether it's a chore or something to do with homework or any other area. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. 
All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. So now I'm going to talk about mood. So general mood falls into three categories. There's happy, serious, and the realistic or what is sometimes called negative. Some kids don't fall strongly into any one of these. They may fall right in the middle of all three. They may be more strong in two of them, a little lower in the third. But there are children who will fall more predominantly into one of these areas. I'm not going to go through all three of them today since we're just talking about the resilience piece. We're going to talk about one of the moods, which is the realistic or the negative mood and what we can do with that. You don't always notice this until you have more than one kid. And then you really see the juxtaposition of two children with different temperaments in this area. And then you really start to notice that it it really starts to show. So as an example, our oldest son tends to have more of a negative or realistic mood than my younger son. If there's something to find fault with or complain about, he will find it. And that's really aggravating sometimes. Okay, but to be honest and fair, he's not that bad. He does have good experiences. He does have joy. He does enjoy experiences. But sometimes he really surprises us when we thought that he would have had a really good time and he focuses on the one thing he didn't get. And that's something we really work on with him. Compared, and not to compare children, but when we look at our younger son, Chandler, while he can complain at times, He is a very grateful child. He is very thankful about gifts and experiences. He almost always remembers to say thank you, and it's very heartfelt. And he's always the first one to say thank you as well. So the traits of a realistic or negative child, they might have trouble keeping friends. Now, this isn't always true because my oldest has no trouble with friends, but they may become easily sad or frustrated they can be more realistic or negative about things and experiences. So as you might be able to see, with a more negative outlook, experiences and accomplishments may not be enjoyed to the level that kids with a happier outlook might. Therefore, working towards that does not offer the same fulfillment. If you have a child who's low in persistence and has a more realistic or negative outlook, where new experiences just aren't seen as very fun or exciting, 
you can see how that would limit or hinder the desire to try something new or to continue on with it. So in working with kids who have a more realistic or negative outlook, in the areas of family and friends, you want to share family stories with happy endings. Involve your child in play groups and encourage friendships with many children. This is if they have the piece where they have trouble with friends. Again, this isn't, my son doesn't have this piece, but he still has some of this negative outlook. He has more of the issue of seeing things in a negative way. So, so we'll talk about ways to work on that too. You want to give some notice before you go on outings or before new experiences to discourage negative reactions. You want to talk about how fun or exciting this is going to be, the good parts about it. You want to allow everyone to share good things that happened that day during meals or before bedtime. The focusing on the positive, allowing them to try to see the world or certain experiences or things in a more positive light, giving them lots of practice with that. In the areas of guidance and discipline, you want to talk to your child about positive, happy things in life. Tell her when you see her enjoying activities and being happy and let her know that you appreciate her. Also share when you are enjoying life and activities. Now, when it comes to temperament, there's nine traits that I cover in the class. We all fall somewhere on the spectrum between high and low in each of these traits. Sometimes we're right in the middle or slightly more to one side. Under each of the nine traits, I cover the tips in four different areas for those who fall on the high end and also the low end for each trait. So parents can both learn the strengths of being on any side of the trait as well as ways to work with their children to expand that part of the trait and that personality part. The other thing that's interesting about temperament is that our own temperament clouds how we see others, particularly if they tend to be opposite of us in some areas. And Shireen touched on this. She understands that she has a little bit different temperament, a different trait than one of her daughters. And so she knows she needs to look at this from a more middle of the road viewpoint rather than from the side that she comes in on. So it's so good to be aware of this, how we operate and then how our family members, and actually it's great for even working with friends and colleagues that may be very different from us. So if you're interested in learning more in-depth about temperament, you can see the class on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the development and health section. Also, like I mentioned last week, the summer promo code is still available through the month of July, which offers 15% off of any class or membership and continues as long as your membership is active. And the code is SUMMER18, S-U-M-M-E-R 18. When you check out, you're going to simply enter it at the bottom of the checkout page. You can see all the classes and sign up at yourvillageonline.com. And remember to use the code SUMMER18 when you check out. Now, I've spent more time than I expected answering this question, and I still want to give Shireen some more general tips in working with her daughter who is struggling with resilience. And I don't feel like I'd have enough time to really get into the next question anyway. So I'm going to save the question about a three-year-old who is suddenly struggling with naps and bedtimes and also dad wanting some help with keeping his cool when he's dealing with the situation. We're going to cover that one next week. So I'm going to cover some general tips and help for Shireen working with her daughter on resilience. Like anything, patience is key. It's hard if you're a go-getter and your child is tentative or gives up easily, but acceptance is the first step. And then we want to take baby steps with them. This is basically like I just went over about teaching your child in small steps, 
working on one piece at a time and celebrating that victory. So you want to focus on the improvement, meaning her improvement. You want to make notice of things she's tried this week that she was afraid to try last week or skills that she has gotten down this week that she couldn't do last week that she didn't understand. Lots and lots of positive reinforcement, but without going overboard. If we're just gushing, then the child's going to be like, okay, give me a break, right? They can see right through that. But you could say you swam all the way across the pool for the first time today. You couldn't do that last week. That was so persistent. I also would encourage you to work with her to see what things she's interested in exploring, whether it's an individual sport like track or gymnastics, what have you, or if it's something like art or science or theater, if it's something that she's curious about, you have a much higher chance of her sticking with it longer. Once she does try it out, encourage the positive, like I just spoke about, sharing something good about the class or experience. Talk about something positive that you noticed. Now, my youngest son, Chandler, used to give up very easily on things. If he couldn't do it at first try, he'd get discouraged and he'd just never want to try it again. So I really worked with him on this for a little while, encouraging him and helping him to find the positive in an experience. Now, since he's such a happy and friendly kid, a lot of times it was just about the friendships that he built. He makes friends with almost everyone, everywhere he goes. I especially remember it three summers ago with our community swim team. Now, at first he didn't want to do it, so I didn't push him. I just signed up the other kids and I just let it go. But right after I signed up the other kids, he decided he wanted to give it a try. He did go and give it a try, but he would just struggle to get across the pool and he just would give up and he just wouldn't even put any effort in. But we worked on it. We talked about the positive pieces to it, about enjoying his friends before and after practice and the fun parts of the practice. And pretty soon he was actually loving it and just having a great time. And, you know, he's not the kid that works really hard in the pool, and that's okay. He has fun with his friends while he's there, and that's all that matters to me and to him. And now he can't wait to do the swim team every summer. And I do want to touch on one more thing. Um, Shireen talked about her daughter falling to pieces over the littlest scrape. So here's what I'm going to say about that. There is no need to be super empathetic or super like, I'm so sorry you got hurt if you feel like she's overreacting. Because I have seen this backfire, of course, where children are barely hurt. You can't even see a scrape on their arm and they're just falling to pieces. It's okay to be a little bit tougher around that. I'm tough with my kids on that when I've seen that happen. You know, sometimes my kids will do it to try to get another kid in trouble. So they kind of up the reaction. And sometimes it's just maybe about getting attention or whatever it's about. So I tend to be pretty tough on these, not mean or rude, but just tough. Like if I look at their arm and I don't see anything there, or it's a tiny little scratch, I'm like, you'll be fine. It looks fine. There's not even a scratch. You're not bleeding. You're fine. And you also talked about getting annoyed. And I get that. I have that feeling of annoyance myself when they're like, oh, my arm, and there's nothing on it. I have that feeling of annoyance, but we just want to keep it down. We want to keep it hidden as much as we possibly can and just be very matter of fact. Oh, you hit your arm on the tree. Well, let me see. I don't see anything there, honey. It looks just fine. You'll be fine. You know, why don't you rub it and get back over there and play? Because you do want to teach them that resilience piece, that they're not going to get a bunch of attention every time they get hurt. So that's all I have on Shireen's question today. 
If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.